Hello and welcome to eBible Fellowship's Evening Bible Studies with your speaker, Chris McCann. If you'd like more information or to hear more studies, visit our website at www.ebiblefellowship.com. And now, with your evening Bible study, here's Chris McCann. Good evening and welcome to eBible Fellowship's Bible Study in the Book of Revelation. Tonight is study number 20 of Revelation chapter 11, and we'll be reading Revelation 11, verses 11 and 12. And after three days and a half, the Spirit of life from God entered into them, and they stood upon their feet, and great fear fell upon them which saw them. And they heard a great voice from heaven, saying unto them, Come up hither. And they ascended up to heaven in a cloud, and their enemies beheld them. We're continuing to look at um, this chapter and, and the book of Revelation. Uh, we've been studying the book of Revelation for several months, going slowly, carefully, verse by verse. And Revelation 11 is a very important chapter that God has given to instruct us and to teach us uh, his plan for the church, that the church would come to an end, and his plan for the Great Tribulation period. And so we read that the two witnesses were overcome, they were killed, their their dead bodies were lying in the street for a period of three and a half days. And that three and a half days typified the first part of the Great Tribulation, which uh, relates to the 2300 evening mornings, that uh, the book of Daniel mentions, and which relates to silence in heaven about the space of half an hour, that Revelation 8.1 speaks of. And it was a time wherein virtually no one was being saved. And yet uh, the story did not end there, because God then um, goes on to tell us that after three and a half days, the spirit of life from God entered into them. This is God's Spirit empowering the Word of God once again after the first part of the Great Tribulation, after the 2300 days, which concluded on September 7th, 1994, the Lord once again began to evangelize the world a second time. He poured out His Spirit on the day of Pentecost back in 33 A.D., and he evangelized the world through the churches for 1,955 years. The death of the two witnesses signaled the end of that evangelization program using the church. And now God is reviving the two witnesses, reviving these two prophets. At the beginning of the second part of the Great Tribulation, again in September 19. 94. September 7th was the first day of the Hebrew seventh month, which, uh, as 1994, was a jubilee year. The Bible tells us the first day of the seventh month was very important because it would be the sounding of the trumpet to announce the jubilee. Isn't it wonderful how God perfectly brings these things together? It is um, not only a second outpouring of the Holy Spirit, 
but in a jubilee year to indicate a second jubilee period. This jubilee period will only last the remainder of the Great Tribulation, which um, would be about 17 years, from September 94 through May 21 of 2011. Well, let, let's take a closer look again in verse 11. After three days, and after three days and a half, the spirit of life from God entered into them, and they stood upon their feet. Now, we looked at that phrase in Ezekiel 2, in Acts 26, and we saw from the Bible that to stand upon the feet points to being sent with the gospel, being sent with the word of God. And in Ezekiel's case, he was sent to the house of Israel. In the Apostle Paul's case, in Acts 26, he was sent to the Gentiles, to the nations of the world. So the the standing upon the feet has nothing to do, absolutely nothing to do, with uh, with the rapture or going up into heaven, it it has everything to do with God's people, who again are closely aligned with the two witnesses, Moses and Elijah, the Law and the Prophets, which represent the Word of God, the Bible. God's people are the messengers of that Bible, and and when God empowers once again His Word to accomplish his purpose of saving outside of the church during the second part of the Great Tribulation period for that about 17-year period, well, then it is the true believers who carry that word. And it was carried primarily through the electronic medium, that amazing invention that God opened up. The world is over 13,000 years old. And for thousands of years, men lived upon the earth and they were limited in their ability to communicate with other men. Slowly, uh, yes, uh, things improved and, and as far as travel and, and the speed of travel, so communication could reach other destinations somewhat quicker as time progressed. And then there was the breakthrough of the telegraph. And and you could um, telegraph a message to a person far away. But then God opened up the electronic medium and telephone was invented. and And then the ability to communicate through radio and, and uh, through all sorts of various means that began to blossom and and open up uh, in the technical area of the world uh, here's what god did we we know this because we we uh, have the supreme vantage point of looking at things through the bible and we know that god had an end time plan to save a great multitude of people that were scattered amongst the nations of the world. And and the Lord arranged things uh, in which he allowed the population of these nations of the people of the world to mushroom, to, um, uh, to greatly multiply, so that 
the the population of the world reached billions of people for the first time. And how could these people be reached? God's elect, tens upon tens of millions, were scattered amongst them. How could even the church reach those people if all the churches were faithful, which they they weren't, and if all the churches pulled their resources and and went forth as missionaries, which they did not do, then perhaps maybe they could be reached. But that wasn't God's plan. God simultaneously first judged the corporate body, the New Testament churches and congregations, which numbered about two billion by the time the judgment came upon them, and uh, he finished using them. They they would play absolutely no part in the sending forth of his word to that great multitude that he intended to save. And in a sense, it was as though God was saying, I don't need you. You have been unfaithful. You have been unjust. You, you have rebelled against my commandments and you have not accomplished the purpose that I gave you. And even though I have a plan to save a great multitude of people, and even though the time is very short for me, the Lord is speaking, to accomplish that plan, I have no intention whatsoever of using you, the churches, uh, to do my bidding and, and to accomplish my purposes for these elect people. And God just basically pushed them aside and they played no role, no part at all in the great work that God reserved for last of saving the great multitude. Instead, the Lord, in his infinite wisdom, prepared a hundred or a hundred and twenty-five or a hundred and fifty years in advance to slowly begin to open up the field of electronics to uh, give man, the, the men of the world, wisdom in that area, these things were always in the world. They could always have been known or discovered, but God held it back. There was, uh, it, it wasn't time uh, throughout the earlier centuries of the world, the earlier millenniums, and and God reserved this for the time of the end. He timed it to uh, explode, to grow, so that it would become commonplace for man to uh, have worldwide communications ability at the very time it was necessary for the true gospel to be proclaimed to all the nations, to all the people of the world. And and so the Lord just just orchestrated all events, controlled circumstances, and of course mankind... Uh, began to think very highly of itself to grow in pride because they uh, were discovering all kinds of things that that previous generations could never discover they began to get very puffed up and, in pride and 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 to think that they were evolving they 
we're now um, taking giant steps forward in the evolution of man and and they were a brilliant generation and this also served god's purposes in preparing the world for the period of final judgment and 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 to allow the world to have its fill of the world itself as god opened up these electronic mediums and men used the technology for evil purposes, and yet God used it for good. And, and and so he arranged for a faithful ministry like Family Radio, and and God raised that up, where just a few people could get together and, first of all, make sure that they were very faithful to what the Bible said, and God, of course, was the doer of that. He is the one that moves and wills, within his people, so that his will is done. And and then he had his people come together and pool their resources to um, finance the sending forth of the gospel over the electronic medium, and the church played no role, no part. The, the, the church didn't support that ministry. The churches were actually more and more against that ministry as time went on and and so God did a wonderful thing and then he even uh advanced technology to the point as time has continued to progress in in our modern day to the point where the individual person now, you didn't have to even be a ministry anymore and and buy uh, big radio towers and uh, in order to broadcast. That's very expensive. But God even made provision for individuals so that faithful individuals could begin to reach large numbers of people and, and people all over the world, on, on the other side of the earth, through Internet and the social media. And so God, uh, and this would bring us up to date, God has allowed for a believer, let's say, living on on the East Coast uh, of the USA to go to work like normal, to come home from work, and, and to go on to their computer in their own home. No travel involved, um, no... Um, large funds involved. They just log in and they can go on to Facebook or they can, they can go on to Twitter or they can go on, uh, to a Yahoo group or, or I'm sure there's many other, um, things out there today too. And they can put on their own page their statement of the gospel and their friends and their family and and others even could see that, and they have just shared the gospel with these people. It, it really is incredible what God has worked out for these final days as far as opportunities for sharing the word of God that were never there before. You know, um, before, when when God was working through the church, 
in order to be heard, primarily you had to be a pastor. You had to, uh, you had to be someone who was given permission to preach in the pulpit. Occasionally there would be someone preaching in a field, but for the most part, that's where the gospel was centralized. That's where it would be located in the church. But now that the church age is over, there is no location except through the electronic medium primarily where people can hear it. They can listen that way. And and so uh, the two witnesses, when they stood upon their feet and God sent them, it was being sent in a similar way as before, as they were sent into the world with the churches, but it was it was vastly different as far as how the message of the two witnesses, the message of the Bible was carried. And even though uh, the Lord's people would get personally and involved, hands-on involved in, in distributing tracts, but uh, the, for the most part, the message was carried electronically. And, and then the message was finally picked up by the world's media and, and carried even more as, um, the great tribulation period came to a close. Well, alright, again here in Revelation 11 verse 11, the spirit of life from God entered into them and they stood upon their feet and great fear fell upon them which saw them. Great fear fell upon them which saw them. Now, um, the language or this language of fear falling on the people that saw the two witnesses is actually a good thing or it's positive language. It is letting us know that when the two witnesses stood upon their feet, which is language of the gospel going forth, into the world, that it was not unnoticed these people saw them, and not only did they see the two witnesses, but great fear came upon them because of it. And let's look at, uh, for instance, Acts 9.31. Now, fear is a a word that um, can be taken various ways. And, uh, normally it has a connotation of, of something negative when, uh, when, when you fear something. But in the Bible, um, fear of God is a good thing. Fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, Proverbs tells us. And we read in Acts chapter 9 in verse 31, then had the churches rest throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria and were edified and walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Ghost were multiplied. Walking in the fear of the Lord. The, the fear of the Lord for a child of God. When God saves someone, they are granted as part of that new heart and new spirit that new inner man that they have been given, they are granted fear of God. And the fear of God is a strong desire to do the will of God, to keep His commandments. 
It is a fear of offending God, that is to sin against him, not because uh, we might think that, that we'll lose our salvation or, or anything like that, but we have been given a very healthy, fearful respect for God. And on the other hand, the people of the world do not have that kind of fear of God. We read in Romans chapter 3, in verse 18, and this is speaking of the wicked, there is no fear of God before their eyes. Now, just think, for instance, of um, the message of Jonah when God sent him to the city Nineveh. And, and Jonah went into the city a day's journey and cried out, Yet forty days, and uh, Jehovah will destroy this city, or something similar to that. And, and, and the people of Nineveh heard the message and took action from the king on down. They began to sit in sackcloth and ashes and cried mightily to God, because who can tell if God might peradventure turn from the evil that he intended against them. And God did turn. And that example of the Ninevites shows us the fear of God. They hearken to his word. Now, on the other hand, think about the world's reaction uh, overall. Overall, in, in the media, um, maybe just people in your own neighborhood, uh, people in the church, when they heard May 21, 2011, Judgment Day, well, there was mockery, there was reviling, there was dismissing of it, uh, there, there was, um, jokes about it, and, and there was disputing with it, especially from the church. No man knows a day or hour. Hey, come on, that's not possible. And and just ignore it from that point on. They they would push it aside because their church said no man knows a day or hour, and and so there is no fear of God, and that was the evidence that there was no fear of God in their eyes. Now there's another kind of a fear, a deep down fear, but there was no respect to the word of God, no hearkening to the word of God. No uh, fear in the sense of obeying what God was saying and going to him at that point, beseeching him, crying for mercy. Oh, God, I've heard that judgment is coming, that the door of heaven will shut it very shortly on May 21, 2011. Oh, Lord, uh, have mercy upon me at that point. Someone could cry for mercy, and we encourage people. E-Bible Fellowship encourage people, go to God while he may be found, and and beseech him. And if anybody tells you to stop crying for mercy, cry all the more. And, you know, at that time, uh, there were people who didn't like the idea of crying out to God for mercy. You know... No matter what the truth of the Bible is in its season, 
when you proclaim it, you're going to have critics. You're going to have those that argue with God. It's not with us. It's with the Word of God. And and there were individuals that didn't like that we would emphasize crying for mercy so much. Well, now the season has changed. The day of salvation has ended. And E-Bible Fellowship no longer encourages people to cry that way. If anyone would go to God, we uh, we have to go properly, recognizing the day we're in, and, and go saying, Oh, Lord, I know you shut the door of heaven on May 21, 2011, but could it be having had mercy, that is, is it possible that you save me before you shut the door? And and that's the only way God allows someone to come to him at this particular time. There is no fear of God in the eyes of men, and the way the world reacted to the news of what God was about to do was evidence of that. Um, let, let's just look at another verse concerning fear in the Gospel of Luke, in Luke chapter 1 and verse 50, it says, And his mercy is on them that fear him from generation to generation. There God brings the two ideas together. Those he has mercy upon, fear him. From generation to generation means forever. It's a phrase that uh, directs us into eternity future, from this generation of living in this world to the eternal generation to come. So the, the mercy is on them that fear him. Now in Revelation 11, great fear fell upon them which saw them, the two witnesses. God opened up their eyes so that they could see, or or we could say it another way, so that they could hear the message of the Bible. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. And he saved them. He had mercy upon them. Great fear fell upon them which saw them, the two witnesses. This is a verse that is describing the response of the great multitude to the message from God of the Bible in the days leading up to May 21, 2011, when the the warning trumpet sound was proclaimed to all the earth and all of the remaining uh, ones whose names were recorded in the Lamb's Book of Life heard and were saved, and and God bestowed grace and mercy upon them, and as a result, they feared the Lord. Great fear fell upon them. Thanks for joining us for eBible Fellowship's Evening Bible Studies. You can hear these studies Monday through Friday over PalTalk, Skype, eBible Fellowship's webcast audio, or over your phone. For more information or to hear other studies, visit www.ebiblefellowship.com. Until our next study, may the Lord's perfect will be done.